so amazing that we have the complement of music that goes with our our Bible study and our, our time of uh, reading God's Word, but just how music ministers not only to our just our souls, right? Emotionally, there's an emotional piece to music, but even I mean the words that can be so powerful and just a a great reminder. And that's the idea is that you would be singing that concept throughout the day, especially when when you need it. You know, you you realize in this moment, you know what I I I need to turn my eyes upon Jesus because right now I, I, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And then, you know, even the concept of, you know, we, we are sinful creatures. Um, we're, we're, we're going to strive to be perfect and holy as, as, as Christ calls us uh, to be. But in our, in our sinful weakness, we're, we're not. And we fail. We fall short. Uh, we fight and fight and fight against that sin. We, we strive to repent. We strive to uh, be transformed by the renew- renewing of our minds. But as the song says, our sins are many. Our sins are many. Um, but His mercy is more. Uh, what, what, what great hope. What a great, a great thing for us to, again, grasp and understand that when we come before the throne of God, it, it, it's, it's not on our merit that God judges us. It's, it's on the blood of Christ. And so, um, so thankful for music. So thankful for the Bible. This, this document is an amazing document. It's, I was listening to, uh, you know, an argument and a debate on the, the, how the, the Bible was compiled. And, you know, you, you have all the, all the uh, critics and all those, the naysayers. And it's funny because when you think of their arguments and you think of the uh, the of of how sound scripture is it's like well i don't know how they believe in anything if they really use the same critique that they would against the bible well you can't believe in any history i mean the bible has far more manuscripts far more eyewitness testimonies far far more documentation of history of science of archaeology and and so this is the best really you know science book that has ever been written it's the best history book that's ever been written it's the best um you know documentation of anthropology and so it's amazing there there's prophecy in this book Uh, this book predicts things that are going to happen uh, in the future and has done that over and over and over again uh, it's also uh, just, you know, it's, it's, it's a historical document, right? A historical narrative uh, at places. At other places, we see just deep poetry and the beauty of poetry. We see the, the, the poetic prose of, of how it's written. And, you know, there's, there's you know, in, in, in literature and writing, you know, there's a, there's a, a meter to it, right? There's like... Like the ABCs, you know, it's, they're, they're written so that the songs are written so that you can remember it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? There's, there's a rhyme and a rhythm. That's how we all memorized our ABCs and so many other things. Well, the Bible has literary devices just like that and written thousands of years ago. 
Today we're going to see uh, one of those devices called parallelism, right? It's the idea of, and we see this a lot, it's there's comparing and contrasting. There's comparing and contrasting, but within, again, this, this, this poetry, you know, there's, you're going to see, whenever you see something repeated over and over again, that, that's kind of one of our triggers. And so we're going to see, blessed is, blessed is, blessed is. Um, in this, we, we're, we're going to see kind of this uh, poetic prose, and it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like these sayings, right? Easy come, easy go. Well, there's a lot to that meaning, uh, and, and we can say it, and we can repeat it, and kind of have that memorized so that, so that when you know, things happen, it's like, well, nah, easy come, easy go. You know, and you just kind of roll through it and deal with it. Well, in a much better way, we have blessings. We, we, we have here in the Beatitudes, which is, means blessings. It's then, how about we have a pathway, a playbook to happiness, to joy? Anybody interested in that? Is that appealing to anybody? And so we just got done reading in, in Matthew 4, and, and, and Jesus was tempted by, by Satan, and then Jesus comes out of the gate, and he's saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he reminds us that, that the disciples and we are to be fishers of men, and that his, his mercy mission, right, is to go into town after town after town and, and heal the sick and uh, help with diseases and pains and demonics and epileptics. And so here's this, this uh, ministry that Jesus has. And then he kind of sits down and like, okay, let's talk. Let, let, let's talk for a minute. Let me talk to you about some blessings, about the blessings and he does this in, in, in such a way that, again, it's unique because he's going to compare and, and contrast, right? It's kind of a juxtaposition. Um, and we understand that. We understand that, that you know, some things are, are, are really hard to do, but, but there's a benefit at the end. And so we would say, well, blessed is the man who toils by the sweat of his brow, right? Well, that's not fun. It's not fun digging holes. It's not fun, you know, if you're a farmer, or if you're trying to grow something, like trusting in that process. But if you do all that hard work, if you get all those blisters, if you, you know, break your back doing it, if you sweat by the brown, then you will reap a harvest. Oh, okay, I get it. Um, you know, I think of, uh, of, of like sports or something like, you know, running, you know, and you see people always... Whenever I see people running around, this is kind of bad. You know, I don't think, man, that's amazing. They're awesome. I think, are you guys crazy? It's like, you're just going to end up in the same spot, right? No, it's a good thing that they're doing that. Um, I just never liked running. But it's like, again, it's the idea of blesses the one who agonizes mile after mile, right? For, you know, he will be thin. He will be healthy. He will, you know, not suffer heart attacks. So, so it's that kind of thing that, that God's trying to teach us here. Is there's a blessing. There's a blessing, but it's not going to be easy. Well, we don't usually like the, the first part of it. Um, the first part is hard, and um, we're, reminded, we're reminded in James 1 
that, well, look, life has trials, right? Um, and James 1 says in verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Blessed is the man who encounters various trials. Who wants to encounter various trials? The line starts here. Nobody wants to encounter various trials. But yet it says, consider it all joy, my brother, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. How many of us want to be strong Christians who endure the trial? Yes, everybody gets in that line over there. I want to be a strong believer who endures trial. Well, then you got to start in this line, which means you're going to have to have trials. And understanding that the result of these trials, the perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, well sign me up. I, I, I want to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Sign me up. Okay, the line starts in the trials. Ugh. Uh, Romans 5 speaks to the, the same concept uh, in Romans 5, verse 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. So, so we consider trials joyful. We, we exult in tribulations. Why? Why do we exult in tribulations? Why are we blessed if we have tribulations? Well, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we love the second part. We love the, the, the results of the, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulty. We, 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 we love what it produces. We just don't like the process. We, we love, and, and there's some of our favorite things to see are, are these restoration projects, right? Oh, look, look at my quilt. I, I sewed together, you know, all the, the uniform jerseys of, of my son from eight years old to, to college. And, you know, here's all these different jerseys and all these different colors. And, well, we... we cut up all the jerseys into like little little patches and, and and sew them back all together and you know and now look at it here it is and it's like those are so awesome so sweet so many memories so much love and it's warm too but the process ugh, you know you know how many times i pricked my fingers and you know this and that and the 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 labor and how long it takes to make it or you know, I know tons of people who love that process of restoring a car, right? It's like, ooh, look at that. It's got rust all over it and dents and breaks. And they love that process of going to another junkyard or buying something online and, and just fixing that car up, you know, buffing it out, getting a new, a new paint job, getting all the chrome all shined up. Now, it's a beautiful thing once it's sand and buffed and, and it's all done and complete. It's, it's so cool to see that, right? But it's not an easy process and it takes a long time and there's sweat and toil again. Well, one of my you know, favorite shows and thank the Lord for the internet 
in, in these cases, because I never really watched it when it was live, only after the fact, which was uh, the show Extreme Home Makeover, right? And you know, it's filled with such hope, just like what Romans 5 says. Uh, there, there's, there's hope because you see these houses that are all thrashed and torn up and no good. And, and these guys come in and they do like the extreme home makeover. You know, the, they, they walk in and like, oh, wow, this is, this is good. It's, it's okay. It's beautiful. We'll change the whole thing. We'll tear it all up. Oh, this is a nice solid wall. Yeah, it's coming down, right? That pole right there, it's like, it's, it's out. It's out. We're going to get rid of that one and that one. And then at the end, it's going to be extreme. Now, th that's how we should view ourselves. We're fixer-uppers. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more, right? We just sang that. We're like the extreme fixer-upper. That's okay. That's okay. The, the farther we come, the more beautiful the testimony, right? That's why those testimonies are so, so heartfelt because not because we revel in, in the muck and in the, you know, the, 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 the sinful activities, but we're just so thrilled to see how the Lord transforms, how the Lord restores, how the Lord shows and displays his mercy, how the Lord will take this, this just terrible life and turn it into something beautiful. Well, Today we're going to look at uh, the Beatitudes, and it, it's not complicated. And I, you know, I was meditating on this and looking at all the different things. And it's like you know, sometimes as pastors and speakers and preachers, we we overthink things, right? We look at something like this and we go, okay, let's peel back the onion, let's peel it back even more, and even more, and even more. And it's like, well. You start peeling back so much, it's like, I don't even know what I'm peeling anymore, right? Or you peel back to its ultimate extent, it's like there's nothing left. Or the idea of, you know, like digging for gold. You know, if you've ever seen people who dig for gold and people who are just digging and digging and digging, you know, mining and mining and mining. Okay, there's, there's a, a certain level of we, we want to get into the understanding and clearly understand what's being said. But sometimes we can dig so much and, and be so desperate to find the gold, we, we find fool's gold, right? It's like, that's not, that's not really there. That's why we have so many books written about things in the Bible, and you read the book, you know, how did they get that out of the Bible? Where, where, where did that come from? It's that spiraling. And so, as I was looking at this, we're, we're going to keep this high level. This isn't complicated. It's not brain surgery. It's very, very straightforward. And, and, and so we see nine, nine blessings uh, that, that Jesus is, is preaching on. Nine blessings really with the overarching kind of, uh, you know, subheading of, of humility really is the hallmark for all of them. But the nine blessings are, a, there's a blessing for being poor in spirit. There, there's a, a blessing for those who mourn. There's a blessing for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's a blessing for the merciful. There's a blessing for the pure in heart. There's a blessing for the peacemakers. There's a blessing for those who are persecuted. And there's a blessing for those who are insulted. 
And so as you're turning back to Matthew 5, remember that Matthew, the book of Matthew, is the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Jesus is continuing the principles of the Old Testament law, but now he's speaking and communicating in, in this new covenant language. Um, it, it's a transition. So there, there, it's a practical lesson from Jesus. It's a simple, clear message from Jesus. And the first one we're going to see is a blessing for the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, and opening his mouth, he began to teach. So Jesus is teaching to a crowd. He's, he's preaching. He's communicating, right? Blessed, happy will be. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is this idea of poor in spirit? Sometimes when we come across a, a, a phrase or a sentence and we, we just lock into like one of the words. And so the first thing we see is poor, right? And it's just like, all right, poor, blessed are the poor. And we just like stop reading. We're, we're terrible at that. Or we just read so fast that we only really see two of the blessings and miss the, the other seven. But it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So, so you don't, th those are together, right? It's not just poor. It's not just poor people. It has the idea of, you know, when we think of poor in spirit, it's like, think of, think of the poor, but it's not just a poor person. It's the idea of shrinking, uh, of cowering, kind of like, like, like a beggar, you know, kind of like holding your, your, your hand out. And so your, your disposition, your countenance is, is kind of poor in, in, in spirit. Uh, you're, it, it, but the meaning behind that is a spiritual meaning. It, it's the idea of being spiritually shipwrecked, spiritually destitute and, home, and, and hopeless. It, it, it's those people who, who recognize that, that they're, they're, they're completely spiritually dependent on God. So when you think of the the, the homeless person is like completely ultra ultimately dependent on you giving them right that handout. It's like, you know, I, I just need a dollar. I, I just need, you know, a, a sandwich. It's like, Lord, I, I need, I need mercy. I, I, I need, I'm, I'm agonizing over my sin. It, it's not a blessing for just being poor. It's, it's having that humility and understanding who you are when standing in front of the Lord God Almighty. Now, see, the problem is in America, we have this, you know, fake it till you make it mentality. Nothing wrong here. Everything's cool. My life's perfect. I have it all. It's all going together. My family is, is well, right? I'm, I'm fine. And, and we put up the, a front and a show. And, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, we should just like walk around, you know, hey, how you doing? Terrible. You know, I, I, don't, I don't mean that we're so transparent that, that you know, we're, we're odious in that way. But, but we just have this way, especially as Americans, of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, there's, there's never anything wrong here. When really spiritually, we're, we're like completely broken. Uh, it's okay. It's okay 
to understand that, that, that you're not rich and wealthy, spiritually speaking. Like I'm, I'm struggling. I, I'm, 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 I'm having spiritual heartache right now. It, it's, I'm in a bad patch. Anybody who's been a believer for any amount of time knows, you know what? It's not always perfect just because I'm a Christian. Christians have, you know, people die in their lives. People, uh, Christians sin and fall into sinful patterns. Christians have trials and tribulation, right? Christians live life just like everybody else and, and have these moments. But, but, but let me encourage you, those who are poor in spirit and who've been poor in spirit. Let me, let me give you some encouragement. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. This is a rough patch right now, but if, if you make it through, when you make it through, when you completely, totally depend and, re, and rely on, on, on God, yes, though your sins are many, his mercy is more. In fact, his mercy extends all the way to, there's a kingdom of heaven at the end of the road. Be honest, sometimes you've gone through some trials and the only thing you can think of is, at least there's heaven. At least someday this is going to end. And when it does, there's this blessing that's like beyond all comprehension. What a blessing. And so there's the encouragement here. I mean, this is eternal heaven we're talking about. This is the greatest reward that, that, that there can be. It's spiritual in its future. And that's the problem is... I live here physically now and physically now I'm struggling. And so Jesus is saying, yeah, but there's a blessing. There's a blessing at the end of the rainbow here. And that blessing is, is heaven. Isaiah 66 two says, you know, that uh, talks about the, the contrite spirit. Uh, Psalm 34, 12 talks about uh, having a, a, a heart crushed spiritually. This is the, the idea that Christians will never have a problem is, is so from the pit of hell. Now think about this. If you've been told health, wealth, and prosperity, that you will be wealthy, you'll, you'll never have struggle, you'll never have pain, you'll never have suffering, that, that God intended for your life to be its best life, and you're going to get everything you ever wanted and more because you're a Christian. What happens that minute, that doesn't happen. Well, your whole faith is, is the, the, uh, it, it's been, you know, the foundation's been ripped out from me. I thought Jesus loved me. Why am I struggling? I, I thought he wanted me to, to, to be prosperous. I, I guess he's not real. But see, the whole presupposition was a lie in the first place. God, God never promises that here on earth, we're, we're all going to be wealthy, that we're all going to never have pain and suffering. In fact, it's the opposite. But there is a blessing at the end. Well, the second blessing we see is there's a blessing for those who mourn. I don't know about you guys. I don't like mourning. I, I'll confess. I don't like being so hurt and so broken that I can't speak. 
that I can feel my, my heart just shrinking in my chest. Um, I, I don't like that feeling. I don't like the idea that I can't speak without getting so choked up that you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. That could be embarrassing. Well, that's the idea of, of, of mourning, right? Like we're, we're talking, we're not just talking about, you know, like, you know, just a little cute little tear, you know, we're, we're talking about mourning. We're talking about what happens when, when, you know, someone dies. In fact, in the Greek, there's, there's nine different words for, for sorrow, for mourning. Um, it's not just death. It's not just misery. And again, the nuance here in Matthew 5 is this mourning is a spiritual mourning. It's a, it's a lamentation over guilt, over sin. And so blessed are those who, who, are, who, who lament over their sin. See how that changes? It's not just, yes, there's a blessing when, you know, you, your, your spouse dies. Good for you. No, that's not what, what, what's being said here. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 10 through 11 says that, that, that there's a sorrow over sin that leads to repentance. You, you're so crushed. You, you're so, you lament so much over your sin that's like, enough enough. I'm, I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm going to move on. And so blessed are those who mourn. See, again, this is the, the life from the pit of hell that we have churches and pastors and preachers telling people, don't worry about your sin. Jesus just forgives everything just anyway, big, broad stroke brush, right? No, that's not what the gospel preaches. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's real simple. There is a heaven for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. What if I don't believe in him? Oh, there's a perishing. There's a hell. See, we, we have to include the, the full message. And so there's a blessing for those who, who regret, who mourn over their sin, because if you are unrepentant in your sin, if you don't care about it, if you just habitually keep doing it like it's nothing, like Jesus is some, you know, get out of jail free card. You know, I, somebody was telling me that they were able to, that they were given like a stack of, of a buy one, get one, uh, you know, Jimmy John sub sandwiches. And they were given a big old stack and they were, you know, to give away a hundred of them to, to this group. And uh, something, ha oh, COVID happened. So they weren't able to pass them out. So they just ended up with, you know, a stack of a hundred, one person with the stack of the hundred, get one, get one free, you know, Jimmy John's. It's like, well, we act like that, like Jesus is like that. You know, oh, I'll just send, you know, here, here's, here's my card, Jesus. You know, we're just flicking around the, the you know, here, just. Jesus forgives everything. Jesus died for my sins. Jesus paid the price for my sins. That's presumption. We don't see that in scripture. We're, we're to repent. We're, we're to show spiritual fruit. We're, we're to fight against sin. We're to mourn with deep sorrow uh, over our sin. And if you do, you will be comforted. God comforts his people. God is a, a compassionate 
caring and loving God. It's not just like, a, you know, you obey me, you follow me, and, 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 you know, I'll bless you, and if you don't, I'll just strike a lightning bolt down on you. Um, no, God, God has compassion. This is personal. He's our Father in heaven. That, that, that's, that's family. So God comforts people. We see that in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Um, in fact, John 16, 5 through 7, just something we don't talk about enough. But when Jesus is on earth, walking on the earth, and he's going to you know, ascend back into heaven, he doesn't leave us with nothing. He leaves us with the comforter. Why? Because our comfort matters to him. He could have just, he could have just left us with the law, right? And that would be a lot, and that would be enough. But he didn't just leave us with only the law. He also left us with great comfort, especially for those who repent and hate their sin. Doesn't mean they're perfect and never sin, just means that they fight against it. Well, the third blessing we see here is, blessed are the, the meek or the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, this is a, an attribute that we struggle with, especially here in America, the idea of, of the meek being a positive thing. Um, well, part of it is because we have a misunderstanding of, of meek. Meek is not weak. That's not what meek means. Uh, humility, not being harsh, not being mild, that, that, that's not, that, that's not the, the idea of just being milk toast. Uh, that, that's the argument that a lot of people have with Christians. In fact, you'll see it in sports. Some of the sports teams are like, ah, I don't want those Christians. Those guys are soft. You know? Why? Because they're humble? Because they don't brag? Because they're not arrogant? See, that's the call. The call is, look, blessed are those who aren't proud and arrogant and haughty. Right? They're, they're just humble. Um, they're, they're, they're meek. They're, they're, they're not arrogant. They don't walk around, you know, like the stereotypical, you know, high school jock, you know, walking down the hallway, pushing all the little guys out of the way, you know, kind of a thing, acting like they own everything. No, God doesn't like that. He likes the gentle. What he likes is the strong being gentle. What he likes is the powerful being merciful. What he likes is the judge being gracious. When, when you're not in power and control or anything, and then you're just like in the, in the corner cowering, well, that, that's, not, that's not what meek and gentle means. Um, we see here that, that the, the reward for being meek, for not being arrogant, is they will inherit the kingdom of earth. Again, as, as, as Americans, we have this idea. It's like the guy who walks in, you know, strutting his stuff, throwing out his chest, standing tall, being 6'5", having muscles ripping out of the side of his head, you know, that, that, that that's power. I'm never wrong. I'm always right. That's power. That's strength. That's wisdom. That's no. You know what? I study and study hard and evaluate and, and look at things and try to be right and try to do them the right way. But, you know, sometimes I make a mistake too. That's meek. Um, but we live in a culture and a society where a lot of people don't believe that you can ever, ever be vulnerable to say, yeah, I got this one wrong. 
ever be vulnerable enough to rely on on the team or the, or the group. Um, and so we need to understand God's view. Blessed are the meek. And don't worry, they will inherit the earth. Well, that's interesting because that seems like, it seems like that's what all the, the, the business books and you know, self-health books seem to be the opposite of that. But when you really think about it, everybody likes the guy who's not arrogant, who's not cocky, who's not proud. Um, people like uh, the gentle, the people who have done well and you don't. I mean, how many times have you been in a crowd and you met somebody and it's like, oh, you know, oh, yeah. And that guy over there, you know, he's got a multi-million dollar company. You're like, that guy? The guy who like, you know, doesn't even never talk about business. Uh, you see this with athletes, you know, the so many times the best player doesn't he he's the one who picks up the balls he's the one who carries the gear he's the one that helps other guys encourages other guys he, he's not the one that says you know i got two home runs what have you done like nobody likes that guy the guy who inherits the earth is the guy that everybody likes and we all know those people and we like those people uh, mirror them be gentle like them well <clears throat> the fifth uh, or the fourth blessing that we see is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. I, I, I love the imagery there, a hunger and a thirst. It has an idea of that. Like blessed is the guy who's, who has such a deep desire such a deep desire that, that it gets to the point of, of suffering. I mean, do, do you guys see that? Hunger and thirst, right? You ever been really hungry? You, you ever been hungry where like your stomach is growling and there's pain? You ever been so thirsty that like there, there's no saliva, there, it's all dry? You're just like, you're like sand feels wet. You know, it's like hunger and thirst. And it's like the idea here is that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. You, you, you should pursue being that hungry and that thirsty all the way to the point where, and again, you picture that guy on the desert sand crawling and, and just agonizing for what? Water? No. Righteousness. You're crawling inch by inch, just desperately seeking a drop of righteousness. Do you think that way about righteousness? Does it even come on your radar? Do you know there's a blessing for being passionate about righteousness? And I'm not talking about political righteousness. Oh, I know we get all ramped up with that and the little vein in our forehead pops out, you know. We're not talking about political, you know, righteousness, the, the, the social justice warrior righteousness. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about a hunger and thirst for, for God's justice, for, for doing what's right, that God has clearly laid out in the word of God. Do you hunger and thirst to live this book? It, it, let me suggest if you don't read it, you don't know it, 
you're not going to live it and do it. So you can't say, I hunger and thirst for righteousness if you're not putting in that work and effort to read it, understand it, attending church, reading God's word. Because the hunger and thirst, it's like food. It's like water. You, you, you know, the, the Bible's described it, you know, as, as the bread of life, right? When you hunger and thirst for God's justice, his moral high ground, his and his alone, then you will be fat and happy. Um, it's kind of funny. Now that I think about it, God, God is, uh, got a great sense of humor because last night the, you know, my awesome daughter-in-laws are making dinner and stuff. And I literally was so fat and happy that I'd like fell asleep. I was just like, oh man, this is just, I it was like, you know, food coma. It's just like so satisfied. It was, it was crazy. I never do that. Um, and I didn't even overeat or anything. I just had like the normal thing, but it was just like, I was so satisfied, so, so filled. Um, and, and, and we're, we're called to strive for, for spiritual, for godly uh, justice and righteousness. And you know what? You will be filled. God promises you will be happy. I, I, I assure you, you'll be happy. Well, the fifth blessing is for the merciful. That shouldn't shock us that every time we mirror God, every time we mirror Jesus, every time we're, we're most like him, well, we will be blessed. That's why we're called to follow Jesus. We're not called to follow prophets or Pharisees or pastors. We're called to follow Jesus. And, and there's none that displays mercy more so than Jesus. What, what is mercy? Again, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. You broke the law. You broke God's law. You deserve the consequences for your disobedience. Mercy is, but not this time. Not this time. We're, 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 we're not going to take you to the woodshed. We're not going to punish you. This is going to be overlooked. It's, it's full of compassion. It's, it's even though he has the right to judge, you're not going to be judged. Instead, what's going to be on display is, is pity. Um, it, it's having control, having the power to, to, to punish, to administer the, the, uh, the discipline, but then holding it back, holding it back. So, so we've been looking at in the last couple of weeks, I mean, what was Jesus's mission on earth, right? His mission on earth, what was to come and to seek and save the lost, not to destroy, not to destroy. And so he's full of mercy. He's full of not punishing us when we deserve to be punished. We see in Matthew, and we'll look at Matthew 7 in a couple weeks, but um, that in judgment, see, we're, we're, we're to judge the way we would want to be judged. Look, if I'm in sin, 
If I've offended you, if, if I'm not following God's law, then you have every right in the world to say, Tony, you, you know what? Um, have you thought about this? Did, did you realize you're, you said that? Did you, you know you did this? You have every right to judge that sin. Probably not when you're doing it 10 times worse, right? That's what Matthew 7 will say. But, but we have a right to, to judge sin by the same measure. And by the same measure, you will also receive mercy. If you're not a merciful person, if you're not a person of compassion, if, if you're not the one who doles out, well, then you're probably not going to gonna receive it um, as well. We, we see this in Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is that great picture of what forgiveness is. How many times should we forgive? Seven times 70. And then right after that, we see the picture of the, of the servant who owes just you know, a lifetime of wages to, to, to his master. How he got that far into debt, I don't know, but that's, you know, it's an illustration. And, and he owes so much, and the master has mercy and says, your debt is pardoned. And, and so he should leave that with the kind of attitude that says, okay, I, I have this new lease on life to go pardon everybody else too. And so, I, you know, the, the slave owes a lifetime of wages. Caleb owes five bucks. And what does the slave do? He's throttling him for five bucks. And the end of Matthew 18 says, you, if you don't show mercy and forgiveness on your fellow brother, the Lord will not show it on you, which is absolutely frightening. Let me, let me read it. <clears throat> Um, just so I don't, I don't misquote it. Uh, so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to the Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you entreated me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you, as his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. Matthew 18.35 should be memorized by all of us. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. We are called as Christians. One of the hallmarks of Christianity that everybody on the face of the earth should know is we're forgivers. And yet that's not what most people think. What do they think? We're judgers. That's something that we have to correct individually. That's something we have to correct is that we need to be merciful people. Uh, well, the sixth blessing we see is in a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Pure in heart. It's, it's, it's a purity, right? It's clean. It's innocent. It's upright. The character is good. Uh, again, we're, we're, it's not the idea of being perfect like Jesus. It's, it's the idea of this is a good man. This is a good woman. They're godly people, well-intentioned. They, they, they walk rightly, right? And so blessed are those who are pure in heart. Um, there, there's people who, you know, see things and, and they see the good in things, right? 
And there's other people that they just always see the bad. Um, and so this has the idea of, well, that, that person's like, you know, you, I think of, you know, an older lady. It's like, oh, little Johnny, he, he's a good boy. And you're sitting there going, Johnny, the guy who just broke my window with a rock. Oh, yeah, but you don't, you know, you don't understand. And it's like she's got like this purity in her soul and this innocence. And she just, you know, sees people, you know, with, with, a, with, with a, a sweet and a, and a pure heart. She, she's not, um, it's not that she's, she, she's so naive she doesn't get it. She just understands that, you know what, uh, yeah, people sin. People sin, um, and, and and even though they're clean and they're innocent, uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna walk in a way that they're not going to slide on their convictions. They're they're not going to uh, fall to temptations. They're they're, they're pure of heart, um, and even though people may abuse that situation, even though people may take advantage of them. God says they're going to see God. They're going to see God. Because what, what are we left with? We, we kind of think in, in terms of, yeah, but, but I thought nice guys finished last, right? Don't nice guys finish last? Don't the honest get ripped off? If you've ever been in business for five minutes, you know the pain of people ripping you off and not paying you. Every single business owner has experienced this. And, and it's hard, especially when you're trying to run a Christian company and have a higher standard of ethics and morality and, and, and do a good job and, and, and all those things. And you know what? People abuse you. And they will. They will abuse. The pure of heart get abused. But, but, but they will see God. Well, that's my real goal. I would like to do well in business and make money. I would like to do in well in business and have a good, a, a good reputation in the community. But, but, but my ultimate goal is I want to go to heaven. I want to see God. Well, be pure of heart. I can promise you that. I can't promise you that, you know, people are going to pay their bills on time. Especially the pure you are, it seems like the nice guys thing kind of comes into effect. Well, seventh is blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, um, for they shall be called sons of God. What are peacemakers? Um, we have some misconceptions of peacemakers. Peacemakers isn't the same as, as the process of, of like making peace. So we, in, we have fallen into this kind of pattern of, Let's avoid conflict. We don't want conflict. We think the lack of conflict equals peace. No, we need to confront things. We need to discuss things. Okay, we, we all know it's like, all right, uh, uh, misunderstandings happen. Uh, I'm deeply offended. I want peace. So I'm going to let it go. But you didn't let it go. And it hurt you. And, and it looks bad and it looks wrong. And, 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 the and now, you know, you had coffee with that person every day and you don't want to talk to him. It's like, did you make peace? No, you didn't make peace. You just avoided conflict. 
a peacemaker is an, arbit an arbitrator. Okay, we need to sit down at the table and have a good discussion. Doesn't mean we have to fight, doesn't mean we have to argue, but we have to resolve this issue. A peacemaker is somebody who is a, is intercedes. A peacemaker is a negotiator, right? And so the peacemaker goes into the Middle East and talks to the Palestinians in Israel and says, okay, we're, we're, we're meeting at the table. We're not leaving until we have a signed treaty. Not this concept of like, well, you know, if you uh, maybe don't shoot for two days, we won't shoot for two days either. Okay. Did they make peace? No, they didn't make peace at all. They just pushed it off. Uh, I love in Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball, you know, they have these contracts and it's like, well, there's a lot of guys in Major League Baseball and some years are better than other years. And, you know, you got this guy and he just got a, you know, a $50 million contract. And it's like, wait a minute, I did better than he did. And so you go to your team and, and it's like, well, here, he had 10 home runs, you know, 100 RBIs. Well, you'd probably have 30 home runs, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, and a 300 batting average. I had 50 home runs, 150 RBIs, and hit, you know, 350. I make 5 million, he makes 20 million. Well, that's the breaks. You sign the contract. Uh, okay. Well, in Major League Baseball, they have what's called an arbitrator. And when it comes time and they have different, you know, seasons and different opportunities when they can kind of negotiate because they're a union. But it's the idea of the arbitrator comes in and says, okay, look, I deal with everybody, everybody in the league, and I know all the stats and all the things and all the averages and all this, and I will decide what you get. Not the team, not you. And both sides are like, okay. And that's the deal they sign. That's a peacemaker. He actually makes the peace. The people who who confront sin, who confront problems, and, and when you walk away, all is resolved, that's a peacemaker. Um, and we need peacemakers. We need people who don't run away from problems. Now we think that it means, okay, so we, you want us to get together and fight and clash. No, you, you just need to be open and honest. You just need to be truthful. It's kind of the whole concept of counseling, right? Get the two people in the room and let, let's be real. Why? So that we have that, that peaceful resolution that's real and sticks after we leave the room. I mean, this happens all the time in marriage counseling. Oh yeah, everybody's great in this room. And then they, they make peace in this room. They go outside the doors and they're right back at it. Because they didn't really resolve anything. They didn't address anything. But they shall be called the sons of God. Those people who are peacemakers... Think about that. They're the ones who are the joint heirs. They're the ones who, who in Romans 8 are really considered in the family. You know why? Because that's what God wants. God wants us at peace with one another in true peace, in good relationships, in honest relationships, not in fake superficial ones. And so when you're the kind of person that actually helps people to make peace, then you're part of the family. You're a part of God's children because that's what God's children do. It breaks their hearts to see that conflict. We see this in families all the time, right? Families haven't spoken to each other for 10 years. It's like, wait, how can that be? We're, we're, we're family. 
Well, the eighth blessing is there's a blessing for those who are persecuted. A blessing for persecution? Well, first of all, I don't want persecution. So why don't we just skip that one altogether? It's like, no, no. There's a blessing for persecution. But here's the thing. We tend to think that it's like the personal attack right, that, that we get. No, it's there's a blessing for those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Not just for your own sake. Not just because you posted something on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Like you put your head out there. You're going out there for what? For increasing your followers for increasing your status for increasing your image that's not god doesn't owe you or promise you anything for that for his sake for righteousness when you're persecuted there'll be a blessing and you will be persecuted when you stand up for righteousness when you stand up for truth in the workplace oh it's Ask anybody who, who works in a, in a company these days. It's rough. It's rough because there's a lot of unrighteousness in the house. But theirs, again, will be the kingdom of heaven. You're going to suffer today for drawing the line, but tomorrow, forever, for eternity, you're going to be in heaven. There's going to be a reward for the martyrs who died. There's going to be a, a, a reward for those who are abused and persecuted. And then finally, there's even a blessing for those who are insulted. Uh, verse 11, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Well, there's a buildup. Not only are they insulting you and with their insults persecuting you, so their insults actually have effect of persecution and say all kinds of evil about you that's not even true. Um, again, on account of me. Not on account of you. Not because you're you know, a pastor trying to make a name for yourself. No, when, 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 when it's on account of, of, of God, it's on account of Jesus, well, then there will be a blessing. There will be blessing. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is in heaven. We're, we're still constantly seeking a reward here. Like this is our A1 goal, is our reward today, here in the physical, in the flesh, at our job, in our house. In our... We're thinking wrongly. We're thinking in the wrong way. And that's why Jesus says, okay, look, here's some blessings. Here's some things that you've got to change in your mind that you want all the sugar, you want all the rewards, but what you don't want is the hard work. What you don't want is the grind. What you don't want is the trial. Um, listen, life is toil. Life is trial. But if you're faithful to me, for my sake, on account of me, then I will be faithful to you, I promise. I promise. Now, one of the things you may have noticed that in different ways, here are the trials, here are the tribulations, and the response to that is, okay, this will be a trial, and here's the blessing. And the blessing is when? When you die. Not now. 
in heaven. We'll talk about a life insurance policy, right? It's a life insurance policy that what I, I don't get the money here. So like they even learn that in the life insurance business, like, well, all right, we got to have a different kind of life insurance where at the end of 30 years, you can have some of that money. So they kind of changed how life insurance was. Life insurance was supposed to be at the end of your life, you would get the insurance. But too many people are like, I don't want to wait until I die. I want it now. Well, that's how we act. And God's saying, no, look, five different times the reward is in heaven. The consolation is in heaven. Earth is not your reward. Get that in your minds. Earth is not your reward. Our reward is in the future. And we have to get our our minds wrapped around that. Uh, We have to get our minds wrapped around the concept of, you know what? Uh, If it doesn't kill me, it'll make me stronger, right? If it doesn't kill me, it'll make me stronger. Um, Memorize Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, at the end of his life, his brothers sold him out. His brothers tried to have him killed. He goes in, into slavery. His, his, uh, mis- his the, 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 you know, the lady of, of the house tries to uh, seduce him and then lies about him and gets him thrown into prison. He goes into prison and, you know, the, the, the guys he tells dreams about don't, don't, you know, reward him for that. I mean, his whole life has been doing well, but then they are against him. Who's they? Everybody. Family, everybody's against him. And at the end, he says, what you meant to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And that's got to be part of our mantra, that there's a blessing for us for evil. There's a blessing for us for insults. There's a blessing for us for heartache, for trial. And and what seems to be a, a negative, we have to think, but God meant for good. God meant for good. God has a blessing despite how it looks. Let's pray. Lord.